This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Well, welcome to the Broadcast Podcast. Um, I have with me uh, today uh, David Devonish who um, some of you listening will have heard of if you are from the New Frontiers uh, family of churches, um, um, or perhaps you haven't heard of him, but David will introduce himself in a moment. Uh, So we are um, using this podcast to just keep talking to people about different experiences they've had um, and their thoughts about the world as it is at the moment. So Recently, I talked to Phil Whittle in Sweden about how church planning had gone for him in Stockholm and how that had been affected by COVID, but also by uh, just uh, the kind of cultural changes in his city. And that's fascinating. That's worth listening to. I've talked to Martin Dunsford recently uh, just about his ministry in um, kind of church planting and helping people plant churches uh, all over the world. Uh, and today I'm going to be talking with David about some bigger questions. We're going to think a little bit more deeply about where the church is at, what God is doing at the moment. Uh, but before we plow into that, um, I wanted David just to introduce himself a little bit, give a little bit of his backgrounds, and then we'll get moving. So David, introduce yourself to us. Okay. Yeah, I'm David Devonish, uh, married to Scylla. been married for 51 years now um with four children and eight grandchildren um i was brought up in the uh, most legalistic group of churches you could imagine the exclusive plymouth brethren left that when i was 21 uh and uh, and just about to be married to my wife and uh then i worked in the civil service for a number of years serving on various uh international committees and so on. I served on the first UN working party on the debt problems of the developing world. I then moved on from that to international banking and was uh, involved in uh, large project finance, primarily in West Africa, North Africa and Eastern Europe. Um, One or two other places as well, but mainly there. And uh, during the time when I was working, I also was involved in starting the church, which I'm still based at in Woodside Church, Bedford. Um, and I started to lead that after a, three or four years of it being planted um, and was leading the church, also working in the city of London, uh, being abroad 80 to 90 days a year on business. And uh, that demonstrated you can plant a church while doing secular work and also demonstrating that when you do so teamwork is even more important than can be the case otherwise um and so then i we felt it right to stop the work in the uh in the in the city although that was a big challenge to us because um you know god could well have been calling us to be a Christian in senior banking or going into full-time church ministry. We felt God was leading us the second way. So that's what we did. Then in the mid nineties, I started church planting from our church, firstly in our own town, 
but then right across the Midlands of the UK, where we planted at that time 20 to 30 churches, I guess, um, in that area. Um, I then moved on. I, I, during that time, I started serving with Terry Virgo on his team, which led the New Frontiers family in those days. Um, but then from the year 2000, started working in two areas, primarily um, the Russian-speaking world, where we helped uh, local leaders plant many, many churches, and that's really gone well. And, there, and But also opening up in the 1040 window, uh, particularly into the Middle East, and uh, planting churches there and engaging others in uh, recruiting and sending people to that part of the world and overseeing what they were doing for quite some time. Um, then in, when Terry Virgo stepped down in the end of 2011 uh, to, and we decentralized New Frontiers um, into lots of different apostolic teams. Um, the, I was asked to continue to lead what we still did together to enhance our, our, our relationships, bring mutual accountability and learning from one another. So I did that until nearly the end of last year uh, when I handed that over. I also for a while led the Catalyst Network of Churches during that time and then handed that over to Simon Holly three or four years ago. So uh, I'm now doing all sorts of things, but uh, officially retired. But as I often say, that means doing the same thing without getting paid. So it's great to be with you on this podcast. Well, it's great to have you with uh, with me here. Um, I, I think I, I thought of you when this question popped into my head, Really, it was the winter lockdown. Well, last winter, we're entering a, a different winter, 21, 22, which could be chaotic in a different way. Who knows? But um, from uh, kind of November 2020 through to February, March 21, it was um, it was a, a deep lockdown without any vaccine. Um, and uh, I remember just thinking at the time, what what is God doing at the moment? And then that question kind of sat with me um, because I couldn't answer it. Um, and the, having listened to you kind of go through your history a bit there, the reason I've got you on, all of those things are very interesting, is because I know you at more as a, a preacher. That's how I would have interacted with you um, in my youth. Uh, and when we invite you up to Manchester, we get you up to preach, to do our school of theology. <clears throat> so I know you as a, a preacher and a thinker and someone who's very wise, because a lot of what you've done, so from the international banking to the um, kind of global church planting and um, helping church leaders and different missionaries um, and having also lived in some of those places for kind of short term for months at a time. And so you, you, you often approach um, Western European British questions from a different perspective, um, which is why I've got you here. Now, I would like to answer British Western or questions um but i am i think you will provide a different way of looking at them so my to set us up my my main thought is that actually it is very easy for us and by us i mean the average church leader who might be listening uh, to this podcast or church planter or someone who would like to plant a church or get into church leadership it's easy at this point in history because there's so much going on to get caught in the detail the kind of the 
the cogs and the wheels of yeah. coming out of lockdown of face masks and social distancing and um, dealing with your congregation who may be um, happy to get vaccinated and less happy to get vaccinated um, and all of the different things with that also dealing with the fact that perhaps 30 percent of your church haven't come back or have come back and aren't happy and are leaving uh, all of the different stories that we've heard some uh, every church pastor knows people who have left in this season who they wouldn't have thought would um, and have dealt with all of those kind of things of, of turnover. Um, and it's easy to get caught in just, I've, we live to fight another day, let's get to the end of the year, um, and to forget to ask God, <laughs> what is what are you doing at the moment, God? What What is to happen? Um, and what are we meant to be pushing into, I suppose, as a, as a people? Um, and I think for us to kind of get into that, we probably need to understand where we're at as a as a church in the UK so I guess that's my first question to you David in this just to get us moving is what are the big challenges in your opinion that the church particularly in the UK but I guess western uh, European western worlds um, what are the big challenges that we are facing at the moment and what ones that you feel either Covid has highlight highlighted or, or just generally other ones that you think might be out there as well Okay, yeah, thank, thanks very much. That was a great summary. Um, I, what I'll do, I think, is throw out a few and then perhaps you can pick up some of them and we can look in more detail. Right. Okay, so um, I think the first one that was around anyway and a number were beginning to, a number of church leaders were really beginning to try and tackle um, is the consumerist nature of the Western church. And I think if COVID has done anything, it's demonstrated how strong that was. Um, when I'm planting churches in other cultures, we're trying to help the church live free of the strongholds of their own particular culture. That's what we do. Um, we want it to be totally embedded in the culture so that it is fully recognizable as a culturally uh, in that in that nation but standing free of the strongholds we've been westerners that try and do that are a bit like the person that jesus talked about who start taking the speck out of their brother's eye before dealing with the plank in their own uh, because the plank in western christendom has been consumerism uh, celebrity culture and all those sort of things and that is really been highlighted by the covid thing even though a lot a lot a lot of us were trying to tackle it before linked to that and, and it's very much part of it but it's a separate issue as well is the whole thing about individualism and for years and years our um emphasis in western churches tends to be on the individual their personal salvation their personal walk with god the personal gifts of the spirit they receive and so on rather than, than understanding the whole of scripture is written in a corporate context and we miss that uh very easily uh a good friend of mine has contributed to a book called misreading scripture through uh individualistic eyes 
And I think that's what we've done in the West a lot. And so consumerism, individualism are massive. The third thing is that uh, how, and again, this has been going in parallel with COVID rather than being caused by it because of some of the other emphases that are going on in the world around. Um, and that is how we live in a post-Christendom culture Whereas the church in the West is still sort of hoping and living as though we're still in a sort of Christendom with, even though it doesn't, Christendom has never meant that everybody is saved, but it at least means that the worldview you can at least relate to. Whereas now we're much more like the church in captivity um, in uh, like the Jewish people were when they were, and, the, and so the relevance of Jeremiah, Daniel, and the exile writings are particularly important for us. And that was the situation in the New Testament as well. But it's thrown into relief when we look at the Old Testament because there were people used to living in a, if you like, a Hebrew worldview, and then they're suddenly somewhere else. So, and then, sorry, I'm going on a bit, but I'll just, I'll, I'll introduce two more and then you explore what you want. The, fir the uh, first one of that is the need for fully understanding diversity in the Christian church, particularly ethnic diversity, social diversity, men and women all having a clear uh, release into their gifts. And so that we, uh, that, that again is, something that's really needs to be emphasized at the moment because most of most of us live even even in not just the big cities now but elsewhere in multicultural multi-social situations and yet the church has hardly reflected that mm. um and how we demonstrate one new humanity in christ in that context mm. and it's a real challenge for us um, as well as well as welcoming all those who are uh, coming to our country still, uh, whether they get work here or as refugees. And then the final thing that I just want to throw out as well is that um, the centre of Christianity is moving from the west to the south and the east. And the Western church doesn't know how to handle that and still thinks that we can teach other people what to do instead of learning from them. Um, now, I'm not wanting to condemn the whole Western church in that. There are many people that do understand it, but it is moving. Uh, nations go through seasons in terms of Christianity. So places like in the Middle East, where I've been working at the time of the early church, they were the place where the church was blossoming in North Africa, Middle East, uh, what became Turkey, were all the places where the gospel was massively flourishing. And yet they went into a long winter. Um, and uh, whereas we've been more through a, even though the church, even though genuine evangelical believers have probably still been in a minority for a couple of centuries. Nevertheless, they've been affecting the worldview of the nation in remarkable ways. And so are we coming into our own, certainly autumn, 
Um, how do we lead in that? How do we lead when things are against us and so on? Now, we still pray that God will work and that we'll be spared a winter, but we've still got to be thinking along those, along those lines as to how we prepare people for living as a minority. Sorry, that was a long, long list. <laughs> that was very good. Gives us a good place to start. Well, so five areas you pointed out, consumerism, individualism, how we live in post-Christian culture, need for understanding diversity in the local church and how the centre of Christianity is shifting from west to kind of east to south. Um, <clears throat> so actually, we'll, we'll start with the first one. And uh, I don't think we'll cover all five in this. So maybe we'll do a few more podcasts, but um, we'll see where we get with the, the first one, because it is a fascinating question of the consumerist nature of uh, the Western church, um, which I think if you said it in a in a room full of um, you know, kind of Western pastors, we'd all probably just nod and agree. Um, but I, our response would be, yes, I know some of my people are quite consumeristic or I see people shopping around and perhaps the response actually isn't very self-reflective. Uh, and perhaps we are treating people as consumers, thus they yeah. behave as consumers. Yeah. So um, let's unpack this a little bit. Can you explain what you mean by the, the, the consumerist nature of the Western church? Okay, well, yeah, obviously the things you've touched on in terms of shopping around and the fact that, uh, you know, people can be, uh, leave churches much more easily in seek of, I sometimes hear people say, well, that church doesn't meet my needs anymore. Yeah. Whereas actually church wasn't designed primarily to meet your needs, but to be a place where you can be committed to extend the kingdom of God and make disciples. And so... The very that very point that very question people still see what do i get out of it not how am i joined to people to work together to extend god's kingdom even though that will involve sacrifice on my part mm. um and now now all sorts of things what like you said we can sometimes treat people like consumers and so so do we give more attention? It's not that we want to run bad services, but do we give more attention to the quality of how we run a Sunday morning or a public meeting than we do to the quality of our discipleship and prayer? For example, corporate prayer. Um, do we... Uh, and so even that, it's not that we want to run bad meetings because actually still in our culture i believe people are attracted in by a vibrant and reasonably well-run thing and a good welcome uh and so unbelievers are attracted in by that so i don't say throw all that out but i am i do say but what is how are we mobilizing mobilizing everyone to participate according to their gifts how are we how are we expecting sack we we hardly we all we hardly expect sacrifice now mm. except perhaps giving you 10 percent or whatever but in <laughs> terms of uh just, you know and so and so even the way we frame things in our when we're recruiting people to serve and so on 
or recruiting people to extra. One of my little bugbears is that when people are announcing a new thing or a new meeting or something they really want people to go to, but aren't quite sure whether they will, they say, and it will be great fun. So what? <laughs> you know, you, you can have fun down the pub as well. Now, I'm not saying we should be miserable. No. Uh, obviously, uh, but it's all, but almost, you almost have to say that, yeah. it seems, in order to make sure uh, which is scarcely taking up your cross and following Christ is not always great fun, though there's great joy involved. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you understand? It's just a whole approach to life. And I think coming out of the pandemic, some, not all, because there are some people who are genuinely vulnerable and therefore uh, would not be at all consumeristic and wish they could be more around, but just can't at the moment. Yeah. But sometimes, yeah, it can be. Yeah, well, it suits us to watch online because we can do it in our dressing gown and slippers and the kids are just playing around. We don't have to get them all organised and off. And why to a meeting? Well, it's not a question of to a meeting. It's the church coming together. Yeah. Uh, it's the people of God coming together, uh, which is how the Bible presents it. But even the go to a meeting... Is a consumeristic idea. Is the meeting good enough to go to? Is it worth me going to that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm yakking yeah. on, but you know what I'm yeah. saying. So I, I wondered whether um, the the doing online church, which we all had to do, we had no choice about it, um, yeah. whether it accelerated something within the church um, to become very content driven so i'd noticed over the years i mean we're creating a piece of content here so i i say this you know with my hands in the air um but the the pastor and church staff or church you know kind of leadership has increasingly become about content creation yeah and so where your your sermon is seen as a piece of content and yes. creating content for small groups all of which is not you know there's nothing all good yeah Yes, not bad about it. But the thing is, we consume content, don't we? So yes. Netflix is a content creator. Amazon yes. is. And we, we take the bits of content we want. We ignore the bits that we don't want. <clears throat> and so it's it's highly consumer. And so the online church thing feels to me like it, it, it drove that within the church it probably accelerated it by five years yeah. um to a point where people are, were observing their church content because you can't interact with it really as best as some churches tried and we all tried in different ways it was very hard to have genuine community interaction it, it became about a consumption thing and so therefore you just thought there is better <laughs> there is better stuff i can consume there are better churches i could consume yes. uh, and or there is i could just watch tv or um do other things so it felt to me like it that really drove it would you have observed the similar thing as well yes i i have observed that um i say it's 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 not everywhere i mean there are many people just desperate to get back yes and meet people and uh finding all the rest the consumption stuff very fr frustrating yeah um and indeed a little bit samey in the end Yes. Um, yes. Which, uh, but even that can be consumerist. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? So we oh, we don't like that. Um, but I do think it's accelerated it. And some of the more glib answers, sorry, I don't want to be con condemnatory in that comment, 
Yeah. Like, well, if we all just all met in small house churches, but they can be consumeristic. Yes. Um, because when I observe that across the world where disciple making movements and similar things are happening and exploding, it's far, it's the opposite of consumerist because it's totally missional. Yes. But we could then take that and say, wow, that's great. And, and then people say, and so we need to help each other grow in Christ. Well, of course we do. And we can do that best in a small group. Well, yes, but if it's you learning more about the Bible in a small group with your best friends, that is not um, really challenging us to extend the kingdom of God. So so the form is not the the answer. Yes. Because the form can be consumed. So it's not whether you have bigger meetings, middle-sized meetings or smaller meetings. You've got to find your own leading from the Holy Spirit on how each church does that. It's rather, is consumerism really the basis of it? And so when I hear some people, even in the West, who've started, you know, multiplying small groups and they're working with people just released out of prison or people that are refugees or whatever. And they're like, well, yeah, of course, that's that's missional. Mm. And so but then you transfer that into something that is not missional at its motivation. Yes. And then that becomes equally consumerist. So it's not the form, it's the underlying spirit of what we're doing. I hope right. I'm making that clear. It's a yeah, no, absolutely. So bugbear of mine. We're talking about a cultural stronghold is the phrase yeah. that you used. Yeah. And a cultural stronghold, it's a heart issue within the Western church and the people within the Western church often of, yeah. I mean, consumerism and individualism, actually, yeah. we're talking about the, both of those things. Um, and so to, to access a new form, like you're saying, to, to solve the problem, even to purchase a new way of doing church yes. um, and to make the, you're almost consuming even in your, as you try and solve the problem. Yes. So yes, I mean, you're absolutely it, with the drive to, um, to small church sometimes um, it, we're just buying that package that's been sold to us often by, um, by ministries that have been quite successful in it, but, yeah. Actually, it doesn't solve the the human heart issue there. Uh, yeah, very good. I mean, wait, I how do we? Okay, so I'm I'm just your Joe Average church pastor. How how do we? What do I do? What are my first steps? And thinking, I agree with you, David. I see this consumeristic issue in my church, in myself, in in the nation. What what's my first step? What do I do? The first step is to. I mean, this sounds, oh, well, a preacher would say that, wouldn't they? But actually, when I'm uh, working in other cultures and have found out what the strongholds in those cultures are, I make sure that my teaching, is, I pick scriptures that would actually address that stronghold. I don't say, this is the stronghold in this country, I'm going to address it from this scripture, but by using that scripture and preaching from it, I address the stronghold. Mm. So places like I can think of where forgiveness is just unknown 
in the culture, you harbour a grudge. So there's plenty of scriptures, obviously, to teach about that. Mm. And so you have to teach in a way that wins people to a better vision, which is sacrifice for the kingdom of God. And you don't, you don't, you, you know, through many tribulations, we enter the kingdom of God. Yeah. As Paul taught the church through big trouble in the world, you'll have trouble, but don't fear. I've overcome the world. Um, yeah. The scripture is full of things that deal with a consumeristic heart. Yeah. Um, and so you do that and then you, you work at it with those that you're influencing in terms of discipleship. Now, discipleship has many facets. I mean, you know, there's reaching people with the gospel initially and helping disciple them. There's also helping people grow in Christ genuinely. Um, there's training leaders. All that is all part of teaching people to obey everything Jesus told us. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so you start working with people and start correcting in your own heart and in others and being mutually accountable to say, <coughs> are we giving way to consumerism, even in the way we're dealing with this particular thing? Or are we challenging people onto a, something? Now, you can't do it in a legalistic way. That would totally fail. You know, you know, I've been brought up in that. It doesn't change. Legalism doesn't change the heart at all, even though it might get better attendance at meetings. Mm. So <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't change the heart. Mm. So I'm not saying that you have a legalistic approach, but that you are helping one another to say, no, no, I will sacrifice for this because we could eat. We could all sit back. I mean, you know, I'm retired now. I can do lots of other things. I can be away for every weekend. I can, do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not the, I'm not the pastor anymore. I don't have to be there. Do you, do you understand? So you, you, you have to challenge it in your own heart and challenge it through scripture, challenge it with people close to you, get them to challenge you about it and just build a different culture. Now that's not going to happen you know, the trouble is, again, the Western mindset wants a solution that you turn this key and next week it's different. Yeah. Well, it's not. This is a long-term project. Yes. One sermon series ain't going to fix it. No, not at all. I mean, it's interesting. The um, uh, uh, Being locked in your house, the, having your daily updates of death and suffering in, uh, in, your, in your country, then it, it perhaps highlights... Uh, how easy we have it, uh, which is a broad sweeping statement for a country which has plenty of poverty in, in the UK. Yeah, sure. um, but actually, you know, for, I know for myself that pretty middle class and affluent, actually, you, you do realise, oh, gosh, I have a, a pretty easy life and a good life. Um, and so the, you realise your theology of sacrifice and suffering <laughs> when it comes when you come up against sacrifice and suffering, you realise it's pretty weak, even as you you know, your prayer life is, please, God, make this end um, yes, so that life can get back to normal, as opposed to what do I, what do you want me to do? How am I supposed to worship you in yes. this moment? So, I mean, a, a good friend of mine I was talking to just recently is lots of illness, like very serious illness in his family. And he was about to preach 
in our church and I was just saying look are you all right to do this this is you know this is you're in a pretty rough place uh, and he said Tim it's fine um we don't have a good theology of suffering so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell my story and help people understand and uh, yeah, I mean he, he, he people loved it what he bought because it came with integrity and with a um um, and he was right in the middle of it. It wasn't one of those stories where it's all come good at the end. Actually, there's a pretty good chance it won't all come good at the end. <clears throat> so I, I think having that in us as a church, um, and I, I mean, interestingly, interestingly, when you're talking about the center of Christianity shifting from West to East South, yeah. um, a lot of our influence in church is uh, American Yes. American leaders and, you know, British and Western as well. Uh, and they do not come to us with a good theology of suffering. They come with a theology of success, even like very good people with if you plant lots of churches, you'll be successful. And, and and we come with all of that baggage that the people who speak at conferences are there because they have been successful. Yeah. Um, and so there's if the center of Christianity is shifting, uh, perhaps that is actually very good for us as Western Christians, would yeah, you think? It's very interesting because, as you know, uh, one of the things I've talked a lot on is what is the, what is an apostolic and prophetic foundation in a local church? Indeed, I've written a book on that. Um, and I'm being asked to speak about it still in all sorts of places, not, not connected with my own family of churches. But uh, some of it came alive to me when I, I was... I'd got this outline that I used to teach everywhere I went and I went to Pakistan and taught this particular outline and a, a, a guy came up to me afterwards and said yes setting out those seven foundations was so helpful but you never mentioned suffering <laughs> and I thought you're right yeah and they're facing that all the time mm. and then i because what i'd done was draw on paul's foundational teaching in churches that's how i built up the picture and i looked at it yeah he always taught suffering as part of the foundation but because i was looking through western glasses i'd missed that so i added an eighth point to my foundational teaching on a church that's, that's prepared to face difficulty mm. and suffering and you know i can't you know i've got a pretty easy lifestyle at the moment as well i've been through times which have been tough and some of my travels have been tough and i've had all sorts of things happen but it's you got you it's it, it isn't it isn't easy and uh just handling that with grace and as you say not yeah, praying what we learn is. I mean, it's still okay to start, but you don't. You still pray for suffering to, to end. I mean, Paul yeah. used to pray, ask the people to pray that you get released from prison. Yeah. So it's, but but it's still how you handle that sort of thing. But that was an example. You see, I learned that from the East. Yes. So my theology changed. Not my theology in a sense of. You know, objectively, if I wrote a book on systematic theology, I might have had a little paragraph on suffering somewhere. But it's it's not that. But in terms of practical life and what we teach, I suddenly realised there was a whole missing dimension 
but praise God, because I whenever I travel, I want to learn more than I teach. I was able to receive that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. Picture of what we need to do on massive scale. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this big picture thinking, absolutely. Um, I mean, as you were talking, I was reflecting on uh, how difficult um, we have found it to plant churches in poor parts of our own country. Um, That's right. Poor parts of our, even I'm thinking of Manchester. Most of the most of the people at church plant plant in an area of Manchester, which is not poor. And uh, those of us that plant outside of those areas find it. And there are people, good people, is more difficult. Uh, And you wonder if part of it is we don't we don't have a good theology of suffering and sacrifice for the the people who live in those areas who um, who who suffer. Um, Exactly. So it's that linked with the fact that. You know, when you when you when you move when you want to build a multi-social as well as a multi-ethnic church, both those things involve appreciation of culture. Mm. Yes. Uh, whereas we tend to think there's just British culture. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, uh, but yes, but uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely. Yeah, very good. Great. Well, we've. Yeah, so we've thought about the consumerist nature of the Western church. And um, now let's talk a bit about individualism, which you talked about as well. And we'll probably draw the line after that. Um, But when you, I mean, they kind of merge into each other. So um, it's why it's worth uh, bringing out. But when you, how do you think this is manifest? As you look around, how do you see individualism and how it undermines us as a church? I think it's, everywhere um oh you know sometimes it sounds as if i'm having a go but the whole application is often simply to uh, even of preaching is to us as an individual mm. yeah now it, it must be that because we're individual disciples we get saved individually and we grow but but um, discipling is seen as one-on-one discipling has often been a model in the Western church, yeah. a model that Jesus didn't follow yeah. <laughs> because he, he, he taught them together. Mm. They react. They were, they were getting angry with each other. They were, you know, when James and John wanted to be the top dogs, the others, well, they wanted to be the top dogs. And do you know what I mean? It was all, discipling was corporate um and uh whereas our our worship can be so i mean it's not that there aren't great songs that really worship the lord they are but it's i very few we Mm. when when we pray you know, I was really helped. You know, it was, it's obvious, but a commentary I was reading on the Lord's Prayer starts, Our Father. What's that mean? It means when I'm praying the Lord's Prayer, I'm praying on behalf of the whole church. So if I say, give us this day our daily bread, give us this day our daily bread, I'm not just thinking of my bank balance at the end of the month. I'm thinking of the poorer people in my church. I'm thinking of 
uh, our friends across the world who hardly got enough to eat. I'm saying, give us, give us. And, uh, and, and yet, and then a lot of the scripture, we read as if it's just applying to me rather than, you know, the context of the scripture, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit is be a spirit filled community. Mm. Not, not just that I must make sure I personally don't get drunk, although that's a fair comment. Uh, and I must personally be filled with the spirit. Yes, of course. But the, the emphasis in that scripture is be a spirit filled community. Mm. Uh, singing to one another in Psalms and spiritual songs, you know, all that sort of thing. And so we read scripture as if it's individual. Of course, the little problem in the English language is that the word for you is both singular and plural. Yeah. It didn't used to be at the time of the King, of the King James translation, but now it is. Mm. So we think you is me, not you is us. And so there's a whole mindset. So everything we do, if we're not careful, demonstrates what I'm, what, what I'm saying. Mm. Yes. I'll say when I'm prophesying over people, and uh, you know, sometimes at the end of a meeting, I'll prophesy over lots of the people there. And uh, sometimes people say, Well, what, couldn't you prophesy over me? I said, I prophesied over you. Mm. I said, Your friend there got a personal prophecy. We rejoice with, with her. Do you know what I mean? Because it's we. Yes. Sorry, I'm. No, no, it's very good. Oh, <laughs> no, I mean, you see it in um, the need for individual calling yes. and how, how lost people can feel when they don't think they have a yes. sense of individual calling. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it's uh, sometimes they, it, it's a complete cul-de-sac. You can't help them out of it. No, you can't. Um, and, some, and I wonder as well, and yeah, this is me maybe having a go and i don't mean to but there is a lot around about spiritual formation now um and a lot of books about it recently good books as well with with good stuff in and helpful things but it is all quite individualistic yeah and it it it's a bit consumeristic as well and sometimes i read this and think it's all well and good for you to have a sabbath um but you're you know you're not a single parent who's working two jobs so it's so there's it's a bit grating, I often find it. It's, um... Yeah, I mean, sometimes, I mean, there's things we can learn from books like that. Uh, and, I, and some of us in our hyperactivity need to be corrected. Yes. But, also, but we also need to say, need to think that the examples are very culturally bound. Yes. To relative affluence, yeah. as you were saying. And so we've just got to make sure when we're thinking of any of those things, we're thinking of the whole people of God. Yes. Yes, very good. Great. Well, we've hammered through two <laughs> weighty subjects in quite a few, well, in short time, really. We could have spent many months and weeks talking about these things. Uh, so I would like to finish by coming back to my main question, which is the most difficult one and, and that I want to ask you about, David. And actually, I sent you a text about this question like right at the beginning of the pandemic and you replied to me saying 
we can't possibly answer this question now um, because how can we know so close up to it which uh, i remember showing to a few of my friends were like yeah okay that's good so um and that is what is god doing at the moment what in all that's going on what 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 do you think god is up to what do you what do you feel like we need to be preparing ourselves for as a church so personally i felt convicted about any number of things that um over the last um, kind of six months a year from from the consumeristic stuff and the perhaps the way we treat our own church how we use the internet i felt quite convicted about that um but also the kind of hope and expectation to see god move because realizing myself that <laughs> if we just go back to how it was how it was weren't was fine but we weren't pulling up any trees particularly so, <clears throat> so i'm curious david what what yeah. is god doing at the moment do you think i mean i believe that yeah you could say a lot of things about it but it, the bible does talk about times of shaking hmm. And I think this is a time of shaking for the world. It's also a time of shaking for the church. And yes, we can't go back to doing exactly everything as we did, but we've got to make sure that the answers we put in that, because the scripture goes on to say, so that what is unshakable will remain. Mm. And we've got to make sure that in looking at the shaking and you know times are shaking the faith of some people can grow cold um that we are truly rebooting the church to be something different it's very interesting i uh you know in our own church this was nothing to do with me i didn't do any of the teaching on it at all and I didn't suggest the subject, but we did a whole series on what rebooting the churches, which was not in terms of doing smaller numbers, bigger numbers, but what are the issues? Mm. Um, and then I was asked to do a conference in Ukraine and was asked to speak on rebooting the church for mission because they were facing the same things. Mm. And I think this is the sort of thing we're saying, okay, how is discipleship, mission, corporate prayer, and the strongholds that we've been talking about being dealt with, how do we do that as we emerge? I think in response to your text, my concern was that it's, we don't sort of jump to a, oh, this is the answer. And there was all sorts of pre predictions of how the church would look like when we were about three months into the pandemic, which I felt was far, far too early and uh, making quick conclusions on that which doesn't deal with the underlying issues i think would be a mistake mm. i do believe it's a time of shaking i do believe that we need to respond in that way mm. very good it's um yeah so I, I would have heard similar things so i mean people can make quite sweeping statements um so i heard one guy saying this you know if this is shaking out the fringe of our church and if they're they're not coming back now they weren't properly with us anyway which you think that's a that's a big statement to make which is not fair on you. them and uh, or you probably um and yeah in three months in we all thought the future of the church was online uh, until we realized that was um just not healthy uh, and actually i look at some pastors who are still really running after the online thing and uh, i worry for them 
Yeah. Because um, it just looks like a, a, a shortcut to, to burnout because you become a content maker yeah. and not much more. So uh, you're kind of hedging your bets a little bit in the answer there. Into, it is a time of shaking. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm hedging my bets because I think there are underlying principles yeah. that, um, that we've been talking about. Yeah. But the danger with the Western church is to go to methodology yes. and structure yes. to deal with deep issues. And that often avoids dealing with the deep issues. Yes. And so uh, it doesn't mean that there aren't lots of things to learn from people who are experimenting with different things and learning different things. You know, we should be reading widely and trying to understand but to make quick judgments as to a structural change when we haven't properly analysed and worked on the underlying deficiencies that have been exposed, I think would be premature. Mm. Very good. Well, that feels like a good moment to draw this to a conclusion. Um, yeah. <coughs> And so I those underlying issues, just to outline again, if you're listening, uh, the consumerist nature of the Western church, individualism, how we live in a post-Christian culture, need for fully understanding diversity in local church and how the centre of Christianity is globally shifting from being in the West to the kind of East and the South, global East and South. Um, and the challenge for us as believers, as pastors, as church members is to kind of actually really process these issues and, and look at our hearts, I think, really. to uh, The challenge for me certainly is to think, uh, Tim, how are you a consumer of your church? How do you treat people as consumers? I think that that is a big issue. So even you're like saying, don't go to methodology. It's like a, a married couple who are having problems in their marriage, just putting in a date night and thinking it will solve the problem. Uh, actually, you need to deal with the real issues in there. So, David, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it greatly. Um, if you want more content, go to the broadcast website, uh, which is thebroadcastnetwork.org, uh, and uh, follow us on all of the, your different podcast mediums and give us lovely reviews. That would be wonderful. Thank you very much.